0: Hey, thanks for checking out the weekly podcast from Chattanooga Valley Baptist Church. We hope you found this episode to be challenging and encouraging. Now, let's turn our attention to this week's sermon from Pastor Brian Carroll. You know, you have to climb the mountain, but the mountain seems too tall. You know, you're going to have to confront the toxic relationship, but the hurt runs a little too deep. You know you're going to have to realign your priorities, but the unknown is too much to bear. You know the giant has to be slayed, but you're a little rusty with your sling and your stones. You see, in your head, you you know the rewards of walking by faith far outweigh the risk, but you can't seem to work up the courage to take those very critical steps. This morning I want us to turn our attention to another one of those critical stories in our journey through Moses' life. In Numbers chapters 13 and 14, the people have finally arrived at a place called Kadesh Barnea. It's a place, if you're looking at a map, where the Sinai Peninsula connects with the Arabian Peninsula right on the southern border of the modern state of Israel. The nation has spent the better part of a year at Mount Sinai, entering into the the formal covenant with the Lord, and they have seen the Lord's steady hand of provision. There was no doubt that God was on their side, ready to help them take the very next step. But what they found out is that the next step would require trusting in the Lord in a whole new set of yet unexperienced circumstances. If you've got your Bibles today, we're going to spend time both in chapters 13 and 14, but for our scripture reading today, we will look at Numbers chapter 13, beginning in verse 21. And so if you're able, I would ask you to stand as we read God's Word together. Numbers chapter 13, beginning in verse 21. So they went up, and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob near Labohamath. They went up into the Negev and came to Hebron, Ahiman, Shishai, and Timai. The descendants, descendants of Anak were there. Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came to the valley of Ashkol. And they cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes. And they carried it on a pole between two of them. And they also brought pomegranates and figs. And that place was called the Valley Valley of Ashkol because of the cluster that the people of Israel cut down from there. And at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. They came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the triumphs that we see in Scripture, God, but I also thank you for the failures, as it is in the failures that we are apt to learn so much. God, I pray that you would help us today as we consider this tragic story in the history of these people and god that we would learn to walk by faith and not by sight we pray these things in jesus name amen thank you You may be seated this story is probably the most well-known story in the book of numbers you may have never heard of korah's rebellion And you may not be aware that Shrek was not the first story with talking donkeys. But if you went to church as a kid, then it's very likely that you heard the story about the spies going into the promised land. The the text tells us that, that one man from each tribe was sent into the land. They spent around 40 days journeying through the land. They brought back abundant, bountiful produce, which must have been a remarkable sight to a nation who had spent the last two years in barren wastelands, eating frosted flakes for every meal with a side of quail from time to time. The spies acknowledged here in verse 27, we came to the land it's, which you sent us to. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. The fruit was so abundant that they had to put the grapes on a, on a stick that was carried between two of the spies. I can't imagine seeing something like that. However, those spies also laid eyes on some of the nations of the land. And let's just say that abundant fruit grows abundant enemies. In one breath, the spies boasted about the produce and the the water, the, the land flowing with milk and honey. In the next breath, they lamented that the people are strong and the cities are stronger. But in the second part of verse 28, there's a very interesting statement there. The spies reply that they saw the descendants of Anak there. You may not know immediately who the descendants of Anak are, something you may not even know in a Bible trivia contest. But these are people who are mentioned from time to time through Numbers and Deuteronomy and even over in Joshua. The Israelites believed that the sons of Anak were descendants of the Nephilim. If you don't know who the Nephilim are, you find them back in Genesis chapter 6. They're a race of of powerful giants that were there prior to the flood. Now, fears aren't always rational. And this is one that's completely irrational. Because in order for anybody related to the Nephilim to still be around, then they had to be really, really, really good swimmers. Because the only folks that were left was Noah and his family. So this report that was brought by 10 of the 12 spies, it was enough to sway the people. In spite of Caleb and Joshua pleading with the people, in spite of God's clear hand, up to this point, the nation refused to go in. And that decision resulted in a swift reply of God's judgment. We're told that The 10 spies who brought the bad report died from a plague almost immediately after the decision was made. And God promised that every adult in the nation would die in the wilderness rather than see the promised land, and that their children would be the ones who would see the land. This is a heavy judgment. You know, maybe you've had moments like that in your life where you know that something has happened and that the rest of your life is going to take a very drastic turn because of a missed opportunity or a stumble into sin. Those are those those moments that you remember. You go back and you remember the day. You remember the time. You remember the opportunity. You remember the decision that was made that set your life on a whole new course. That's what's happening here. These people, this nation, made a decision that that changed the outcome of their lives in what should have been a a celebration of, of entering into the promised land, of taking hold of God's promises, of seeing God's covenant realized in their life. They instead were turned away, sent back into the wilderness to die as nomads without a home. I suspect there was very little sleep in the camp that night. I suspect that very few people rested well after this day. But we're told that the next day, once night had passed and morning had come, we're told that the next day that they had a bit of a change of heart. They decided to just forget about the decision that was made that day. Just forget about the, 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 the choices that were made. And they woke up, or at least got out of their beds. And against the wishes of Moses, and clearly against the plan of God, the people mounted a military offensive. And they were soundly defeated. We're told in chapter 14, verse 44, that the Ark of the Covenant, Moses, they didn't leave the camp. They were so certain of what the outcome was going to be. And after that defeat, the nation retreated into the wilderness to begin a long time of desert purification. You know, the desert's a good place to be purified. The desert's a good place to to have sin dealt with in our lives, and the nation of Israel would begin a long journey in the desert. You know, as we look at this tragic event in the life of these people, there's some things I think we need to take note of. The, the first thing that, that I want us to pay attention to is this. Giants are always a problem for us, but they're never a problem for God. Giants are always a problem for us, but they're never a problem for God. You think of the times in the Bible when giants are mentioned. The evil Nephilim were no match for God when he dealt with their iniquity in the flood. Of course, in Numbers chapter 13, we see the nation cowering at the reported presence of these giants, these Anakites, until Caleb was able to deal with them over in Joshua 15. 2 Samuel chapter 15 tells us, or or 2 Samuel tells us about a giant named Goliath whose very presence... Caused the army of Saul to cower in fear. They couldn't handle the fact that Goliath marched out into the battlefield every day and he taunted the armies of God. He taunted the the armies of the Lord until a shepherd boy came out with a sling and a stone. You know, whenever there are giants in the way, there is a God who can take care of the giants. We are terrified by their presence, but God is glorified when they are conquered. Now today our giants look a lot different, but the truth of the matter still applies. You can look at your life today and you can see all kinds of giants at work. The giants that are in the way, they may be financial giants, they may be medical giants, They may be family situations or career situations that are are giant, that are bigger than you can imagine, that you can get your hands around. But we need to understand this, that God is bigger than your giants. He's bigger than every single one of them. There is not a giant in your life that is bigger than our God. We could find ourselves paralyzed by them but God wants to be glorified by them. Secondly, God doesn't want us to be afraid. (laughs) It's not a surprise that we have a tendency to fear. God knows this. It's not a surprise when we find fear in our lives, God's not looking and saying, well, I didn't know they could be afraid. God knows we can be afraid, but God speaks about this repeatedly in the Bible. He says, do not fear. Notice back in chapter 13, verse 1, whose idea was it to send the spies? It wasn't Moses strategizing with Joshua and and how best to approach the land. God is the one who says to send out the spies into the land. Now, it's easy for us to say, you know, if they'd just gone without sending spies... The outcome may have been different. If those guys had never come back and brought a bad report, if the nation had just marched in under the banner of the Lord and taken them out, it would have been a very different outcome. But that's not how God chose to do it. Caleb and Joshua were two of those 12 spies. They saw the land exactly for what it was, a place for God to receive honor and glory through the outcome of their conquest. But the spies' report of the bounty of the land should have been an encouragement to the nation. Look what's there. Look at the pomegranates. Look at the grapes. Look at all the abundance that's there. Instead, fear took hold. These were real enemies, real weapons. These were real enemies. These were real giants. There was something truly to be afraid of. However, the nation had a short memory. They apparently forgot about the watery grave that met the last real enemies that they faced. God doesn't want us to be afraid. I could spend the next hour just quoting verses that call us to fear not. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Psalm 56 verse 11, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? The same perspective is affirmed in the New Testament as well. Paul told Timothy there in 2 Timothy 1 chapter verse 7, for God gave us a a, a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God doesn't want us to live in a spirit of fear and anxiety. He has filled us with His Spirit. He's promised that He would be with us every step of our lives, that He would never abandon us, He would never leave us, He would never forsake us. What do we have to be afraid of? You know, the only thing God wants us to fear Is Him. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Solomon says this Fear God, keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. But even as we fear God, it's not the same kind of fear that paralyzes us in front of our giants. Fearing God is is our response to His holiness, our response to His righteousness. It is a sense of reverence and awe because we understand how holy He is and how unholy we are. The biggest difference between the fear we have of God and fearing the the giants in our world is this. Fearing God motivates us. Fearing other things tends to cripple us. Fearing God challenges us and calls us to greater things. Fearing other things tends to allow us to settle for lesser things. Whatever you're up against, God doesn't want you to fear it. again, that doesn't mean that we don't take it seriously. That doesn't mean that we don't respect the magnitude of our circumstances. But the fact of the matter is that, that we don't have to be afraid of it. God has demonstrated this after God's wrath had been stirred. The Israelites decided to go skipping into the promised land, and they got a good old-fashioned tail whooping. You know what that is. They learned the hard way that Canaan wasn't just going to be a cakewalk. As enemies, they were to be respected, but they didn't need to be feared, at least before they royally upset the Lord by acting on their crippling fear. So what kind of giant are you staring at? Preacher, my giant can hurt me. My giant can cause pain. Do not fear. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Preacher, my giant can cause heartache and heartbreak. Do not fear. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Preacher, you don't understand. My giant can cost me my life. Do not fear. Jesus said, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So with God's help, We need to come up with strategies and plans for how we face those giants in our lives. Again, the Israelites reveal this the hard way. They wake up the next day without a plan. They go marching into the promised land without an idea of what they were going to do, and they suffer greatly. Forty years later, when they go back into the promised land, it's a different animal, right? They've got a plan. Remember, they crossed the Jordan River, and they're to tackle Jericho first. Well, they didn't just march up to Jericho, knock on the door, and say, hey, we're here to conquer you. Let us in. No, when they crossed the Jordan, God had given them a very specific, meticulously laid out plan of what they were to do. You were to march around the city. You are to be silent when you march around the city until the last day, and then you're to march around the city more than you have all the previous days. And at the sound of my voice, you blow the trumpets and the walls came crashing down. They had a plan, a strategy, an idea of what they were to do. When we look through our Bibles, we find that wisdom and prudence are our blessed character traits. The book of Proverbs frequently honors the prudent and the wise. In the New Testament, 2 Peter 4, verse 7 says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, listen, be self-controlled and sober-minded. There is wisdom in controlling ourselves and and thinking through our plans and 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 recognizing our strategies all of this implies that we should approach our lives and our challenges with wisdom with careful planning walking by faith does not mean that we exclude careful planning in numbers chapter 13 verse 30 Caleb makes a statement Let us go up at once and occupy it. He says, for we are able to overcome it. Caleb understood. He recognized the resources that they had. He understood that they as a nation could do this that God had called them to do. They were physically able to do it. When we face our challenges... Our fears can paralyze us, but there is great wisdom in sitting down and working through God honoring plans to overcome even our greatest obstacles. For some of us, it helps if we just sit down with paper and pencil and lay out the scope of our problems. For some of us, that's the best way we can solve our situation. We just sit down and write it out. Some of us are, are pro and con list, folks. You know, we make a pros of all the, all the outcomes, the cons of all the situation. We compare, we weigh through it, we meticulously plan and, and strategize, and we ask God to, to bless our decision-making process. There's wisdom in doing so. For some of our challenges, there's wisdom in, in just getting additional input. Just seeking other, other folks, seeking wise counsel. But for all of us, our first step, our first step needs to be coming before the Lord to seek his face and to seek his hand in overcoming the giants in our lives. Today, I'd like to ask you the question, what giant is lurking in your path. It may not be a 13-foot-tall descendant of Anak, Goliath's great-great-great-great-grandpa, but there's giants lurking in our lives. Maybe there's a career giant staring you in the face. Maybe there's a family giant that you're struggling with. Maybe there's a medical giant that you know is... Looming in the distance. What giant is it that has you crippled in fear? God says, do not fear. I didn't give you a spirit of fear. I didn't give you a, a, a I didn't fill you with my spirit that you could walk around and, and be timid and afraid of the outcomes. No, I gave you a spirit of Self-control gave you a spirit of wisdom. I softened your heart that you'd seek my face. What giants are in your life today that are keeping you from living out your God-given potential? Things that if you were to confront, maybe it's a besetting sin, maybe it's a sin that you've kept hidden inside and you know that if you confront it, it's like poking a bear. You know what's coming. Don't be afraid. Fear not, for I am with you. Don't be afraid. Fear God. Keep his commands. Don't fear the giants in your life. Would you join me in prayer, please? God, we come before you today acknowledging that we, there are things in life that scare us, God. There's situations that cause us angst. There's giants that are bigger than we can imagine. But God, we shouldn't fear. We shouldn't let them cripple us We shouldn't let them stop us from taking the next step. We shouldn't allow them to cause us to not walk by faith. God, when we look and we see all the obstacles, all the things that we can't overcome, and you look at it and you see all the opportunities where you can be glorified and you can receive honor And so, God, I pray that we would look at our lives and we would see, God, yes, there are things that can hurt us. There are things that can break our hearts. But, God, you're greater than all those things. And even if there are giants that we need to face that can take our very lives, God, you are greater. And, God, you can even be glorified in our deaths. And so, God, let us not be afraid to walk by faith. Let us not be afraid to go where you lead. Let us not be afraid to deal with the giants in our lives. Because you're able, God, to overcome each one. And so, God, in these next few moments... Help us to face that giant, to face that fear, to face that paralysis, and acknowledge, God, that you're bigger than all of them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. For some of you, the biggest giant in your life right now is the giant of sin, that is weighing heavy in your heart and in these moments your opportunity is set before you to lay that giant aside and let the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ slay that giant that you can be born again today be made brand new in these next few moments I'd love to give you the opportunity to see that giant killed in your life today if you need to pray our altars open you're welcome to pray here pray at your seat But we'd love to give you an opportunity to face those giants today through the power of the Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you would like more information about Chattanooga Valley Baptist, check us out on the web at cvbchurch.org. If you would like to join in person, we worship every Sunday morning at 1045. We're just minutes from downtown Chattanooga. We hope to see you soon.